Hey, welcome to Cameras or Whatever, the podcast for working photographers. I'm Tyler Stallman. And I am Cameron Whitman. Hi, Cameron. Hey, how you doing? Good. I don't know why we always have a greeting after the opening. <laughs> why not? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we legitimately haven't talked in a while. Mm, that's true. But yeah, I'm in LA at the moment. And, that sounds uh, like fun. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm staying with Alan. Who, How's who, the weather? You know, hot, great, beautiful. It's the, all the ways that it should be in LA. But we're here because next stop is Vegas. We're going to be going to NAB, which oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I try to get to every year. And actually, I, th- I think there'll be some very relevant things to a photo- mostly photography podcast, specifically the Sony camera announcement mm-hmm. that uh, I hope we'll touch on a little bit. Even though we're obviously not a news show, we'll try to find a way to talk about it. Can we talk about how I don't care about it? Well, yeah, that could be it. <laughs> that, I mean, I think that'd be very interesting because you probably won't find a lot of other people that don't care about it. Well, let's let's start with that since we have no topics lined up. Why don't you, why don't you care about the new Sony A9? Because it's a Sony. Okay. It's it's <laughs> it's that boring. Well, okay. I mean, I should I, I start apl- defending it or wait? <laughs> no. Well, hold on. Like, let me let me back up just a little bit because I applaud their persistence towards ingenuity and you know making things new and interesting and exciting. I think that's cool. I still just don't like their cameras. Right. There's yeah, a, I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. They're probably better than everybody else now. <laughs> I just don't yeah, like them. Yeah, they are clearly pushing the industry forward technologically, not necessarily usability-wise, but, but but just as in feature sets and specs, obviously Sony has been the brand that constantly is is really moving things forward faster than everyone else and kind of forcing the speed of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll start with a little bit of praise for it because it, it needs it. Like some of the numbers uh, about how this thing works, some of the specs are really impressive and might kind of change things. Like the frames per second is now the fastest out there, I believe. Pretty sure it's faster than both the 1DX and the what D, D X D five? What's and the, that's 20, 20 frames per second. Is that right? Yeah, twenty frames per second with um, no blackout in between. And yeah, that's completely insane. Yeah, I mean that's because video is twenty four. Like mm-hmm. you really are basically shooting a video. Yep. And oh, I mean it has a really high buffer along with that too, so it'll go for a really long time. Oh, and it has really great new autofocus. That so far the people that have gone hands on with it say is about on par oh i didn't even think about getting jordan on the show because he because he went to the announcement he was there and he uh, would know yeah well and his tweets are a lot of the source for this um of of kind of the detailed information but yeah i I check out the camera store tv is is the place i follow those guys to get the latest information on this and their opinions so it's a new camera that people don't actually have yet so we shouldn't talk about it in too much detail but to address your overall sony concern Mm-hmm. I agree that a lot of the reaction initially is people will post a screenshot of the Sony next to the big Canon and the big Nikon, which are mm. both $10,000 cameras used by sports professionals all over the place. They are you know, sports and celebrity and paparazzi. like They are go-to news cameras because they are fast. But what everybody's missing is because they are also really dependable. Like, this is why you are paying... $10,000 instead of $5,000 for these cameras. And I don't know what you're going to see out of that from the Sony. I mean, based on the camera 
that I have the A7R2, like I've said before, I just have it completely crash sometimes. Like unexpectedly just totally lock up Mm. much more often than you'd expect. Physically, it's not very rugged. I I don't know the A9 specs that well, so I don't know about like water sealing and stuff yet, but I know it's not going to hold up to the same abuse that the giant, that the 1DX, I don't know the word to summarize both of these. I usually just refer to the 1DX. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that the 1DX can survive. Like it, that's the camera that you go to war with. And you, I don't get the impression you could go to war with a Sony. Like they are not uh, building them to that. Not standard. yet. Yeah, but that's the, that's the thing that's that's so confusing about this particular camera. Yeah, is that if it's like you know an action and sports camera, then why isn't it? Oh, I mean, we're assuming still, but like assuming that it's not, you know built for that kind of ruggedness like why why add that kind of stuff if you're not gonna make it compete in that same realm because i mean the 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 truth is for me as a uh i I guess you'd say more of a still life and lifestyle photographer like 20 20 frames per second sounds like a nightmare to me (laughs) because it just means that i'm gonna have to yeah it's like if i accidentally turn it on then you know i just gave myself a whole bunch of extra work right yeah well and one thing i heard that uh, all of this is so useless because as soon as people use the camera they'll know but one thing i heard was that also the buffer fills up and then does the same thing that my a7r does of once it's full it takes forever to unload the whole buffer so you're sitting there waiting for it to write to card for an unacceptable amount of time and the whole camera's locked up while that's happening, so you can't you can't do anything new, um, yeah. and that's that is one of the biggest problems with my Sony and reasons I can't use it professionally. I can't I can't have it lock up after I do a burst of photos. No, definitely not, especially in in a sports or something like that situation. That seems like it would be, yeah, that would destroy my faith. <laughs> and what frustrates me is that uh, a lot of the response I get, uh, and I especially see this in YouTube comments, but the response from Sony fans is like, oh, you're, <clears throat> you're just Canon biased. You know, you're just, <laughs> it's because you already love Canon. And I think it's just that the majority of shooters aren't in this challenging of situations. You only find out how big of an issue this stuff is once you're under pressure. So if you're just reading the specs, this does seem like, it would seem like this camera is going to change the world if you just read the numbers. But let's go back to that for just a second, because let's ask why you're Canon biased. And I would assume that's because you've already gotten a lot of successful work done with that (laughs) camera, with that brand. I can, the, the more I've been doing YouTube stuff lately, the more I have to say about the idea of being biased. Mm hmm. I don't, it's a, it's like a thing. If any of you out there don't browse YouTube comments, it's a really common thing to go on reviews and just type X brand biased, try to identify like, Oh, this reviewer, I'm planting a flag to identify that he like he's in favor of this brand. So don't regard his opinion because he's biased towards it. But of course we are all biased. That is the whole point of doing a review of stating preferences of talking about what we <laughs> like more and less. Like the fact that Cameron doesn't like Sony cameras very much is a good thing. Cause when you listen to him, you will understand what you're leaning towards. Like you'll understand where you're coming from because we know, yeah, you have a bias against Sony that their usability stuff frustrates you and some of their image quality stuff. And 
people can take that into account to better understand your opinion about the cameras that you do like. So if you say that you like a certain Nikon, it gives context to why. So yeah, the, the reasons that I like Canon are because, yeah, I've been using one for years and years and years, and they've always worked extremely well. And I find they balance their features well, even if they're not still pushing the envelope anymore, which is, is frustrating. I wish they were. I think that is a downside to both. It's a definite mark against them. Yeah. Both Canon and Nikon, really. And to prefer or choose to use a brand more often isn't to say that they are perfect at all. There, there can be many, many issues with it, and mm-hmm. you still just have enough good reasons that this is the brand that you'll be using, but it's not the brand that you get tattooed on your forehead. So, I mean, you know, I think that for me, the reasons I've, I've stated this over and over again, but the reasons that, that I love Nikon is just because I know how to use it and it's, it's comfortable and it, uh, it's immediate Yeah, for me, you know, and I assume that had I started with Canon, I'd probably feel the exact same way. Yeah. And you know. there's a lot to be said about what it takes to switch brands. The, the new thing doesn't have to be just a little bit better. It needs to make the previous thing you were using seem obsolete, basically. Definitely. Yeah. Without question. Because the cost of switching brands is huge. And so, of course, people are going to lean towards whatever brand they're currently using because they should because it's not worth investing all that time and attention into learning a new brand and buying new lenses if it's not really going to change the way you work every single day yeah Um, i mean lens investment is let's just break that down to investment (laughs) you know i mean how many lenses do you own in your kit let's just say i it would be very hard to go out and buy all the ones i need tomorrow it's expensive it takes years to really have the set of lenses that you want and I'm still only using one Sony lens, even though I use my Sony pretty often. I still only own one Sony branded lens or Sony mount lens, I should say. You know, all of my lenses are Nikon mounts. And, you know, as far as I know, the uh, the Metabones stuff isn't necessarily as, you know, loving of Nikon yeah. as they are is with Canon. So, I mean, just, just doesn't, I mean, those are the, just, the, those just add it up into the reasons why I'm not going to be easily swayed. And having used Metabones quite a bit, I mean, it's not a one-to-one solution. Like, it, it doesn't give you first-party feeling of autofocus or of, well, mostly autofocus, that's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can tell you're not using a, a native lens. It's it's really obvious. You, I don't trust the autofocus. I don't use the autofocus when I'm using Canon lens on a Sony. To me, it, I use it in manual focus. Interesting. Speaking of that, I uh, with my Nikon yesterday, just just goofing around and actually hanging with uh, one of my friends, Eddie. You know, we were showing each other our cameras because we have completely different gear. You know, I, I think I was just trying to to prove something to myself, or you know, like I wasn't saying this out loud to Eddie or anything, but like he had two cameras because he was testing one out and bought another one. So he okay. had the Fuji XT2 and the uh, Olympus OMD EM1 mark ii okay both of which are fantastic cameras you know i was kind of just playing with them and i love the specs on the omds and the quality is is really great but there's no question that the fuji feels a lot better in your hands just better Uh, built yeah well i don't know that it's better built per se um it just feels better ergonomically and the way that the dials and controls are, are more like a film camera which is the way that I personally enjoy working. And uh, with the Olympus stuff, it's, it's very digital. 
like Sony, but probably even more so. Everything is menus and stuff, and that bums me out personally. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So I was kind of just playing with that, and I was taking a couple pics of my son while he was playing video games, and he wasn't really paying attention. But then he started moving around a lot, and I was trying to get him because he noticed I was trying to take pictures. So he was like, I, you know, gonna hide. <laughs> yep. You know, I'm not gonna let you do this. And which, you know, kind of made it interesting, right? Because then I'm trying it with these three different cameras. And I had the third camera was my uh, Nikon DF mm-hmm. with a manual focus lens. Okay. And so, like, I'm trying to focus on him with these different cameras while he's moving around. And finally, I go back to, to my camera with the manual focus, and he was moving faster than ever at this point. And I was able to, to grab a couple of tack sharp pictures at one four with him moving around. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to your skill more than to the specific camera, but amazing. Doesn't matter what it speaks to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the point is, is that like with a manual camera mm-hmm. or set to manual, you know, it's a manual lens anyway, I was able to, to capture the photo better than I was with this, all this crazy new technology. And obviously that could be ar- argued that that's mostly just to do with my skill level using that type of equipment. So basically, this is a humble brag. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, but no, 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 I understand what you're saying. I mean, they are trying to solve some problems that maybe just, you're never going to, if you take it away from focus, mm-hmm. like you're never going to stop adjusting white balance just because auto white balance is there. Right. Like it, it's so far from perfect, even though it's very good, that we will always set that manually ourselves. We will always switch to manual mode in general sometimes because these computers, you know, are are still far from perfect. No, I like auto white balance because I shoot raw, so I don't don't really care. Oh, yeah, okay. White balance was a bad bad example. Let's say shutter speed. Um, For video, we're talking about a a different situation, right? Because auto white balance, if you're shooting videos, is bad news, right? Uh, Yeah, because if it shifts in the middle of the shot, then when you're color grading and you're there are different sections and you have to grade each moment differently. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. What else? Oh yeah. So a bit of follow up from last episode, I was talking about the Voigtlander ultra wides. Yeah. So I had a chance to go play with them yesterday. Uh, just to get the camera store, which Sammy's camera and put the 15 millimeter right. on. And yeah, it, it really was fun. Maybe I'll post a sample in the show notes. I was just amazed at how clean the distortion could feel on such an extremely wide lens because the only lens I own that's that wide is is a fisheye. Mm-hmm. I have a fisheye 15 and then I have a, a Canon 16, the zoom. But it also just felt quite a bit more of the barrel distortion uh, and kind of the edge warping on the Canon. And so, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And the build quality of all metal lenses, I wish there was more options like this. Yeah. Kind of picking up something that goes back. It feels like it comes out of, you know, the 50s. <laughs> yeah. Which feels cool. Yeah. Frankly. Uh, so that was, that was fun. <laughs> Bias yeah, no, I mean, well, And then honestly, though, but then once you go and pick up a Canon, L-series Canon, you really just feel how much plastic is going on in there. There is some metal, but it's really different when the whole housing is made out of metal. I really, really prefer it. Yeah, I do too. I love the weight of the plastic, you know? Well, no, yeah. That part's cool. That's why they do it, uh, I'm sure. But there's a difference between the, like, the weight in your hand and then the weight in your backpack. When you're feeling the lens, mm-hmm. that extra weight feels great. Ooh, that's a good point. But yeah, once you're, once you're carrying it around all day, then it feels different. That's a good argument. 
I'm with that. So I think it depends how you shoot. Because if you're just doing like carry round with a single lens, so maybe that's a bit of the idea is that if you're shooting like a Leica, all the lenses are relatively small. And these lenses are small, like Voigtlander lenses are, are, are generally quite small too. Mm-hmm. You don't have, the weight isn't so significant because you're only adding a smaller amount of metal to an already small lens, right? So what are you going to do? <clears throat> Nothing at the moment, just because I can't quite decide where money is going. We're also still kind of shopping for an apartment, so I'm hesitant to buy anything at the moment. Yeah. Or house slash apartment, undecided. Yep, complicated moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just not the right time to buy a bunch of stuff. But I will buy a new microphone as soon as it comes out. This is maybe less interesting to you, but just on the video side, I need a new on-camera mic and uh, the Rode VideoMic Pro is the one I've been looking at. So so that'll be the next thing I buy. There's not, an endorsement. Uh, not a lens. It's not out at all, so I haven't been able to try it at all, but I was using the previous version of it. It was perfect. I mean, it, it really sounds fantastic, but the places it wasn't perfect are all being fixed by this new one. Basically, battery life, non-rechargeable batteries, uh, a few other things. So Yeah, things I've never even considered. <laughs> yeah, it's different ones. You also have to worry about that. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, because my limited forays into shooting video with DSLRs, audio has been shut off entirely. <laughs> because, I'm, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just not even close to being there. Yeah, and the thing is about audio is that you're not just considering the quality of the microphone or the quality sounds coming into it. Now, all of a sudden, you need to think about how loud the room is. I mean, even right now, we're recording audio, and I'm thinking about, oh, shit, the vent my computer just turned on. Can you hear it? I cannot. I, I actually moved the mic away from it. But that's the thing is you need to be thinking about it, and you need to be worrying about all these details that aren't in the image that you're not even seeing, so... Yeah, it's definitely like a layer of... And also, whatever is being said or whatever is being communicated. Yeah. Don't know why I didn't start with this. This is just um, some fun insider baseball for us. Uh, (laughs) Well, I was at Coachella, which was last Mm -hmm. week. I was sitting on the grass, I think waiting for Radiohead to start. And somebody just tapped me on the shoulder from behind and was like, are you Tyler Stallman? Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) And he's like, I love the podcast. I just wanted to say that. So yeah, if if you're out there, Tony, um, thanks for saying hi. That was was really cool and surprising. And um, okay, this is a bit inside the podcast, but I don't know how this is happening because it's happened twice now. And based on our statistics, there are not enough people listening to this show for that to make sense to find me twice it really doesn't make sense i find it pretty amazing because that's not something that i would expect like most of the people that have said anything to me about it are people that that i knew that i was just surprised they listened to it yeah but they knew but no two two times in the last few months total strangers the thing is i uh, this is so not about photography. I'm sorry, everybody. But Kim, Kim and I just need to talk <laughs> yeah. about this. I mean, um, like, or whatever, I, right? Yeah. I've been doing YouTube for, well, I mean, I've had the channel for a while and I've been doing more lately. I mean, like some of the recent camera reviews have really significantly more views than, than this show gets listens. Yeah. Apparently. And still, the people that are talking to me listen to the podcast. Not They're not recognizing me from YouTube. It's the podcast. Well, it's a different thing, I think. You know, I think yeah. it's a different kind of audience. You know, people who enjoy podcasts don't enjoy YouTube videos. I'm sure that there are some overlaps there, but I think that the people who listen to podcasts 
get to know the voice and it, you know, I guess there's just a different kind of, uh, you know, I think I could say this right now. Podcast people are just better. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell the YouTube people. I said that. <laughs> They'll tell you about it. They'll remind you. <laughs> Somebody is going to hear that and come back at you. Anyway, it makes me want to, I don't know. It boggles my mind. Like it makes me want to find a way to get better statistics. There's technical reasons that it's, that it's challenging based on how we set it up. Episodes are hosted on Squarespace and they provide no stats. Mm -hmm. So I need to run all the files through a third party stats company. And that's why I sort of don't trust it is because it's not coming directly from the host. Sure. I could pay for a monthly host at something more professional like Libsyn. Mm -hmm. But the reason I don't is because okay, yeah, we can afford to pay 10 bucks a month because we think the show is important enough for people to access mm -hmm. it. But what I don't like about it is then if we, let's say we stop doing the show, yeah. we basically take it down or we keep paying $10 a month forever for it to exist, wow. right? Like, because otherwise it's not being hosted. So that's what happened to my, my old show years ago, like, you know, a, a long time ago is that it was on Libsyn, I was paying for it, and then I stopped doing it. And then the show goes away, and now there's no record of it anywhere. You know, it just completely doesn't exist anymore. That's where my that's where my uh, portfolio site is hosted. So I know that I'm going to keep paying for that basically forever. I'm okay always having Stallman.com, and if that's where the audio files are hosted, then they'll always be there. So anyway, so I don't know anybody out there, come say hello anytime you see us because it's uh it's really nice. We don't understand <laughs> <laughs> how how you're finding us. Well, no, I mean, you're a pretty recognizable guy, I think. Yeah, but in a crowd of 100,000 people at a music festival? No, that's shocking. It doesn't make no, sense. That's, that's completely unexpected and unusual. But it's yeah. still really cool. Yeah, well, yeah, it's extremely cool. I mean, random as hell, <laughs> but really cool. <laughs> but uh, do you have any actual camera topics? I, uh, I should have thought about this at least a little bit before we got in here. So this might be a little too date topical, but um, I keep seeing on my Instagram feed that apparently this week was Polaroid week official event put on by Polaroid. I don't know if it was put on by Polaroid, but I keep seeing like, you know, um, one, of, one of the, uh, instant film people that I follow that I really like is the, um, impossible HQ. Do you follow them? No, it's, I don't. It's a great account. They share stuff. The photography is great. It's curated really well. And, uh, you know, so I, I just kind of offhandedly noticed that I, we kept seeing, um, hashtag Polaroid week, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, what, what's this all about? You know, and just kind of funny. Cause you know, I'm not a big instant film person, but this week I was, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting into the spirit. I, well, it, it was actually not because of that. I just had been. And then it was kind of funny. Cause then I noticed that, Oh, Hey, this is a thing that's happening and maybe I should share them. But now the week's over and I never did because <laughs> yeah, because whoops. And I have to say that when Impossible first came out, I wasn't really digging what they were doing. And, you know, but I've never been a, a particularly fond uh, instant shooter. Right, it wasn't really your thing yeah, anyway. Yeah. As time goes by, you know, you, you find reasons. And, you know, obviously it's really popular right now. There's that, you know, so I'm kind of getting sucked in against my will. You know, it is true that with, with instant films, like there is something kind of magical. Well, not even kind of really magical about it. Literally, literally magical. magical and also the colors are really good and so that's the thing yep. about the new impossible films is that they've improved quite a bit i still i'm not sure that they're better than instax but i will say that i like the shape 
because they're the traditional Polaroid 600 shape. Right. Yeah, I like And I really love the circle frames. I think that's really fun. Oh, I didn't see the circle frames. Yeah, so I've been shooting with circle frames this, this time around, and I really enjoy it. Our it's, friend KK Gas shoots with a lot of the circle frames as well, and he's been a... Oh. How, how am I missing this? I'm obviously not paying any attention if I missed Polaroid month or whatever and circle well, frames. Well, maybe you're just not as big of a film nerd as, as some of us. That's likely. That's likely. Yeah. Even though like you were one of the people that initially got me back into <laughs> wanting to shoot film. But that's okay, Tyler. It's okay. Yeah. I still like looking at film yeah. photos. Yeah, looking at it is, is one thing. <laughs> I do think it's amazing the success that the Impossible Project has been able to have. I mean, looking back, like now, the name just, the name Impossible Project seems like it's kind of just a mm-hmm. cute name. But it really was unlikely for this to work out. Extraordinarily. Nobody thought when they launched, it was at a time that film was in a serious slump. Like sales were not picking up. There wasn't all of this uh, Urban Outfitters Polaroid stuff that is everywhere. Thank you, Lomography, right? And yeah, I I just think it's amazing the way that they've been able to build such a huge business out of this. Like their distribution is everywhere. Clearly they are selling film. Um, yeah, just congratulations. It's I, I mean, I'm constantly amazed with it. It is wicked cool. And I just said wicked cool. Wow. <laughs> you just brought our uh, Target demo down yeah. a few years. Or up north. Or the other. <laughs> so yeah, in, in LA here, I've been staying with Alan, who is younger. He is, I don't know, at least 10 years, more than 10 mm-hmm. years younger than me. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's been fun to like have a lot of conversations with a young shooter. I mean, he's more into filmmaking than video Mm -hmm. specifically. It totally does remind you all the things that you forget to think about once you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. I, I highly encourage anybody out there to stay in contact with young people in the field because I don't know, it's a good way to like keep Uh, your brain sharp. (laughs) Well, he's. I mean, I don't know, he's under he's under twenty one somewhere around there. Yeah, I don't know any people really that age. I mean, not that are photographers. Well, what been, right. What I've been wanting to do is go back to the like college programs that I was in, or or also my high school even. At the point where people don't have any idea if they want to get into a creative field professionally, or even if mm-hmm. it's possible. Because I feel like at that time I really didn't know if that. That that could be a real job. I really thought that the stuff I was making on computers was just me screwing around. <laughs> I just would have loved to hear more about, like, no, there are some paths to making this uh, your profession. And if you take it seriously in the right ways, you can move towards making money at it. Whereas I, like, I think a lot of the exposure to how grown-ups are doing creative stuff is as artists mm-hmm. it's just a, a creative outlet and a way to um pass time and like feel mm-hmm. fulfilled by creating something but knowing that like th- this is also a profession and you could go do it and make a living and having a really clear conversation about what that journey looks like sure it's something i could have used a lot more of i think yeah i, I came at it from a pretty backwards place i guess you know i've told the story on the podcast before but i realized that i was getting on in age and i was turning 27 or i was 27 and i had thought that i was going to be a musician i had a new toy in my hands and said i really like the way this feels (laughs) this is some cool technology and you know i I wasn't really into pictures 
you know, all that much, to be honest with you. I had to learn to get into pictures. I was just more into like, oh, this seems cool. Yeah, for me, it was, it was about the gadget yeah. at first, yeah. for sure. Like just holding on to a camera. Yeah, and then, you know, I, just, I think that for me, it was like once I discovered the magic of working in a dark room, God, it sounds so cliche, mm -hmm. but that was really it. You and your magic, you're just full of magic today. Yeah, it's Sunday. <laughs> it's a magical day. It's a magical Sunday, but I'm glad I did. Here I am yeah, and so, and so, so many years later, and I actually have a, a career-ish. <laughs> a career-ish. Well, I mean, it's, I guess with any career these days, it's your career today. Yeah, that's what you do. Hopefully you don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but that's so much of those things that I think young people need to have conversations about. It's not that there's one clear message. I don't have something like I could just say now that when you're starting your career, if only somebody told me this one thing. There's a lot of um, levels to it, including like what I was just thinking about is how how fluid it can be kind of finding work. It's not the same as just finding a large company to work for because you're always even if you're not freelance like what you're doing right now that's not freelance but you're still at a relatively small company there's not a lot of huge well that's half of what right? i do though and, but the other half is fully mm -hmm. freelance mm -hmm. so bo both halves of what you do are not working at a giant company. that's right same for me and pretty much everybody i know that does this like everybody's on some level of smallness not working at fortune 500s for the most part and trying to kind of navigate that in the really long term of how do you turn that into a lifelong career of working for yourself or you know, working with small teams mm -hmm. is not straightforward. It's not taught a lot in schools and um, you know, not or at all. <laughs> yeah, or at all. Yeah, I mean, that was I, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of photography in general, the only way that you can really get a step in my opinion is is through talking with other professionals and mentoring and and whatnot which is cool i think it's awesome did you learn any of the business stuff in school like oh, or was it only no, no, um i mean that's what i mean like that's i think that there's a lot yeah. there that cannot be taught in school yeah but well but at the same time there's there's things that i think that might be helpful more time spent focusing on just like, okay, you're going to spend a lot of time on the phone with clients or writing email to clients or writing invoices or filling out your taxes or a lot of this business is going to be not maybe what you mm -hmm. expect as in it's not going to be holding a camera. And I think if you just end up, you're sort of just thrown into the field because you're getting jobs, but you don't actually know how to mm -hmm. do these things. You're going to be way more stressed out by it and probably do a worse job of it, probably delay doing it more. Like the less you understand your finances, the less you, I mean, me speaking for myself, <laughs> the less I understand a problem I'm trying to tackle, the less I want to tackle it. <laughs> and I definitely think it would be much better to just face it head on at the beginning and say like, look, you lazy <laughs> ass, this is how you organize your life. Yeah. I, I hired an accountant pretty early on for all that yeah, and i mean accounting is just one thing but you know just dealing with how to make this a business it's that's also marketing yourself and um, all these other things it is it is so many things and actually ties back into my perceived problem with education in terms of running a photography business is that there's so many different ways to have a photography business there's no right. one way which is why I think yeah. it's, it's really hard to pinpoint. I think that there's still a lot of room in mentorship. And hey, maybe that's my future. Yeah, well, and I guess that circles back to what I'm talking about here is that problems are sort of too complicated to 
just read it out of a textbook because there isn't going to be a formula that everybody should be following. So I, I think it's great to have a bit of outreach between aged photographers <laughs> and, uh, and young photographers. Yeah. Well, I think we need each other, don't we? Yeah, let's, we, we do. Let's uh, reach out across the photography world and um, help each other. I mean, so much of what I learned was from going to iStock photo meetups, uh, iStockalypse mm-hmm. events, Yeah, where there would just be, you know, a hundred photographers land in the city and everybody shoots together for a weekend or a couple of days. And that, that's just such a crash yeah. course. Being around other people that do things totally differently than you and think of it differently and are not, they came from a different beginning and can sometimes work all the way from beginning to end. Their workflow is different than yours. And that's, you can just pick up so many little things really quickly by, by being exposed to those big groups. Yeah, those are fantastic events, huh? Yeah, totally. Did you go to to the, to the, I stock ellipse ones. I went to the mini ones and I went to several of them and, and in their own rights. I mean, there was just, like you said, there's so much to learn from, from other people. And I did, I just learned so much. It's crazy. And taught too. Well, yeah, because it feels good both mm-hmm. ways. It's exciting when somebody tells you like, I've never seen that before. That totally gets me excited. I'm like, really? Okay, well, let's sit down and we're totally going to mm-hmm. go through it and work it out. Yeah. You know? I mean, one of the things that was really neat for me is that, you know, cause I was because the people that organized the ones I went to knew who I was. They are like, can you bring your lights? <laughs> you know, so I would bring my whole kit and, you know, I'd end up showing big groups of people how to, how to use them. And, I th- right. you know, that was cool. And a lot of the time, this is the first time people are exposed to certain kinds of gear. It's better to try somebody else's strobes before you've invested yes. in your own. <laughs> Definitely. And, and many other things. So Absolutely. I wonder, are there any good public? By public, I mean, you don't have to be part of a club already meetup things like i i stock was kind of a closed system you know you get questioned to the audience like are there things like this that are really great i already know that there are can't name them but i know that uh quite a few of our friends do like a new york walk every year and they're all a bunch of film shooters and you know that's cool oh uh in calgary there's uh beers and cameras has started to be a thing which came from san diego so i know it's becoming multi-city event and I only, I only went to the first one in calgary i mean if the, it's all there in the name you meet up somewhere grab some beers talk about cameras go for a photo walk and then have some more yeah, beers sounds great but, to um, me <laughs> it's nice i like i like the, the casualness of it everybody there like in calgary it's being organized by the camera store so everybody there the only thing they have in common is like i like cameras i like to hang out in a camera store i mean you know i like beer so i mean that part's <laughs> pretty easy but then you know talking cameras and drinking beers yeah so do you got any uh, items you want to recommend this um, week? I don't, I haven't bought anything, <laughs> but I always have music. And right, right now is oh, uh, yeah. a particularly exciting time for me. When you say you haven't bought anything, do you, do you oh, buy I music buy or music, do you, yeah. uh, do you also have streaming services? I don't services or stream no? um, and not because I have any particular thing about it. I just like having my own stuff. You know, I feel like if I, if I have it there to rem- to remind me to listen to it, I'm more likely to engage with the record as opposed to right. Like you mean have it like a physical thing? Not sitting not in necessarily front of you? physical. Or have a set of exactly. MP3s on your desktop. Exactly. Usually okay. starts with one. If I end up loving something tremendously, then I'll buy it on vinyl. And there's only a, you know certain bands that I'm going to buy the vinyl first <laughs> before I've even heard it. I have to really have mm-hmm. a lot of faith, right? Well, so I I, I know this about you already. That you just you buy a relatively mm-hmm. large amount of vinyl, but what um. 
How often do you listen to to vinyl verses? Definitely every weekend, but not every day. Saturdays and Sundays are kind of like I look for reasons to to be able to put the, the vinyl on. Well, Magic Sundays. Uh, it's great stuff. But okay, so you know, this this is kind of a shout out to some friends of mine. So some of my friends that are from Virginia, they're in a band called Pontiac, and that's with a K and not a C. And they're just awesome. And they just put out a, a new record called Dialectic of Ignorance. I've been enjoying these guys for, you know, well over a decade now. They've got a bunch of records and their their sound is pretty consistent, but always very experimental. And so th- what makes this kind of interesting is that a couple years ago, they opened up a brewery. All right, backstory is that the th- there are three guys in the band and they're all brothers. And they all look kind right. of alike. <laughs> you know, they all have like... Big burly beards and balding long hair, <laughs> you know, so like Will yeah. Oldham style. Yeah, yeah or Bonnie Prince Billy, if you will. So they're just, they're all that kind of guy. And that's, there's so much more than that. But they, they brew really weird beer, sours and just a lot of just really interesting stuff. And they're really on their own bent. They're not really looking to please any kind of current trend or, or popularity contests. They just do what they do. And that that's part of what makes them so fascinating. Anyway, the point of this is that with this new record, you know, I went and saw them last week in, in concert and I hadn't heard the new record yet. I'd heard it was cool, but I hadn't heard it. And, you know, I picked up the vinyl, came home, listened to it. And right away, like the first listen, which is very rare for me. The first listen, I was just like, I had no idea how badly I needed this record in my life. Yeah, awesome. it just, it really, it was the right thing at the right time. So for anybody thinking about hearing it, uh, what's the fastest, like, what's the best way you can describe it that would make Well, sense? it's, uh, if you like old Pink Floyd, the metal era, like Echoes and stuff like that, but also you're into, oh, what's the right word for it? It's It's repetitive, but takes you on a journey. It's very um, cerebral music. I won't try to guess. Yeah, um, there's a video, and the song, you can find it on YouTube, and uh, the song is called Ignorance Makes Me High, and we'll give a, we'll give a, uh, a link for that. And you can kind of get the awesome. feeling of it, and it's just, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, can't recommend it enough. Love this band. That is a solid The other thing I'm listening to is the new Kendrick Lamar, of course, but everybody else is listening to that, so I don't need to talk about it. Everybody except me, <laughs> so I don't know. I missed my Coachella. <laughs> That's what I've been. That's what Alan and I've been bitching about the last few days is uh, how ruined I think music is, and I can even get him to agree about it a little bit. But he's 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 informing me about what's actually going on with new music these days because obviously yeah, I have no idea. Most of it sucks. <laughs> okay, my my recommendation is Gear. It's not completely brand new. I've had it for a couple of months months now, but I've been really enjoying it, and that is the. Did I tell you about this? The Samsung SSD drive? Yes, yes. The T3. This has just like really, really been great for me. This is mostly recommendation to video editors, but it mm-hmm. can be useful to anyone. Now that drives, relatively large SSD drives have become mm-hmm. somewhat affordable. I only want these. I'm holding it in my hand right now and like I can close my hand all the way around this drive. It is so small. There are no moving parts in it, so when it's sitting on your laptop. So, I mean, because I'm usually using it on the go. Like, that's what it's for. So I can edit videos where I'm going places. I'm not nearly as worried about it falling or moving because there's there's not really so much to shake in it. I wonder, actually, how much more I can survive a fall. But 
I know it can survive a shake very well. It fits in Doesn't any, any pocket. And no, no, no. Yeah, perfectly silent. It has USB-C, which I'm kind of excited for the world to switch to USB-C. And it's fast. Like, that's why, that's really why I bought it, is because it's much, much faster than spinning disk drives. So for video editing, the the way my workflow is going with this is that I keep all of my active projects on this SSD, and then I sync them to larger backup drives as I complete them, and those kind okay. of store them. I've been super happy with that. And then I have another smaller one. Oh, no, wait, I don't know the brand name, so I don't know if I can do it. I'll just talk about it in general. I just, I got a thing. I got one of those um, camera straps that is basically just made out of climbing rope. Oh, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> and I've been happy with it. I don't know the brand name though, so I can't do a I'm real recommendation. That, that you're, why am I surprised that you're happy? I don't know, but I, I am. I'm surprised that you're happy with that. <laughs> well, I've only had it for like two weeks. Is it's it not, comfortable? It, it's not. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's maybe why it's surprising. Is like, it, it, it's the Sony is what's on it. So I think if I had the Canon with the 7200 on it, it would stop becoming as comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just something about the material and the the, the fit of it. I've, uh, I've been liking it. And that's it. That's what happens when you don't schedule any ideas as you talk about 15 totally unrelated that's things okay. in an hour. We can, you know, we can schedule to have a new idea soon. To be honest with you, we've, we're just lucky to be able to record once in a while. You know, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. there are babies and multiple jobs and so jet setting babies. and, you know, jobs. Did I say jobs? Yeah. Babies on planes. Um, yep. Steve professional jobs. photographer. Yeah. I don't know how many times that I've heard this and I don't know how many times we've said it, but prepare to not get enough time behind the camera because <laughs> you're going to be doing yeah. other stuff. True. So yeah, young photographers is what I was saying to Alan. Go shoot now when you don't have a bunch of clients. Yeah. Like this is the time you're gonna feel like yeah. you're getting on and fall in love with that because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's not that I don't get to shoot enough. It's just that I don't always get to do the stuff that that I really really want to do. You know. Yeah, it definitely feels different when even even if you're shooting something that you enjoy and are proud of afterwards, it's different when. You're not making the choices about it. Like you don't have the freedom to just shoot whatever you want. You have you have to shoot this thing. That's right. So, yeah. but keep shooting, guys. And also, good advice. Give us something to talk about. <laughs> yes, and then yeah, uh, Twitter us your topics. I'm at yeah, Stallman. I am at what am I at? Oh God, this is why I didn't say it because it's impossible to remember. Like, what the heck is my problem? I mean, everybody else knows my Twitter, right? Okay, so it's Camrocker. At Camrocker. Yeah, of course. Oh, if I mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show that I have an analog only Instagram now. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think you did. I don't know if you did. I, I don't listen to the show <laughs> enough, apparently. But tell us um, about it some more. Yeah. So I, I got the feeling that I was confusing my audience, you know, because I was sharing food and portraits and just a whole bunch of random film, you know, that doesn't go with any of that. So I stopped sharing my film on my camera run account, which is my normal or my first account. Um, and I started up an analog only account, which is just me kind of exercising my, my whatever. Well, so do you, um, do you just intentionally not upload any film to the other, like the other account? Yeah, is it's now all digital, digital because that it's just, that's my, you typically with digital stuff, occasionally I might share a kid, you know, whatever, just cause I'll do whatever I want to do. Right. But it's mostly my food and portrait work or just professional work, I guess, is what it, you know, what it is. And right. then analog account is, it's just 
me doing whatever I want. And it's more like just that kind of like, it, it's meant to be more of what film is for me is, which is a fun hobby. And so that's, and I think that it's, think it's a more interesting account personally. I think that's a great idea. And also it'll have some kind of continuity and yeah, everything's filmy. And- uh, just something kind of like freeing and relieving about doing that. It's got a layer of, yeah, film it has a layer of, of nasty film. There's a, you know, I, cause I, I'm still, I say it like it's a bad thing, like harbored with a, you know, a shit ton of expired film that was not kept in fridges, you know? So like I'm, and I'm just dedicated to shooting it. So I'll probably be shooting it for the rest of my life or until I give up. Yeah. So a lot of the film that I shoot is, is nasty and that shows. Awesome. So where are people um, find the account is Camalog. All right. C-A-M-A-L-O-G. And uh, I'm sure you'll put a link. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always remember to put all the links. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. It's me who forgets, but right? Nobody double check that. <laughs> then we can all laugh. All right, take care. <laughs> all right, thanks. See you next time.